2: Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, fam? Lucas here. I want to take a moment to announce a couple of things to all my new listeners on the podcast. Firstly, if you're looking to upgrade your brain function, whether that be through reducing brain fog, enhancing verbal fluency, improving confidence, motivation, drive, or even orgasm intensity, then check out my Nootropics course, which can be found on my website at www.ergogenic.health. And you'll see at the top, it will say courses where you can use the discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. In addition, I also have a sleep optimization masterclass and a testosterone optimization course that can also be accessed on my website. Again, you can use the same discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. What's up guys and welcome back to another episode of of the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I am joined in with a special guest, uh, Neil Thakar, who is considered an entrepreneur, CEO, and athlete. And I came across his work actually on Facebook. I've been watching a lot of his recent podcasts and videos with another fellow friend of mine, Jacob, um, and just being profoundly interested in the way that he views the human body very similar to me in that regard. So Neil, welcome to the show,
1: man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate the the uh, introduction and I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to you, man. Awesome. So maybe Neil, do you want to give my
2: listeners a bit of a background into, I guess, your story and how you got to where you are today? For sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, as you said in the intro, like I've always always been an athlete, you know, I uh, was a, a soccer player from a young age. Um, I played uh, all the way up to the college level, football, as, as, as you call it. Um, you know, I played all the way to the college level. Um, I thought I was going to go pro. Um, things didn't work out. I got injured. Um, so I always uh, say the same joke when I tell the story in between being a professional soccer player and being a, a nationally qualified bodybuilder. Um, I was a professional drug addict. Um, so that's what ended up happening. Um, you know, after I stopped playing soccer, I kind of lost myself, um, you know, got into drugs and um, I had overdosed, actually. So I overdosed on Xanax. Um, I went to rehab, and as I came out of rehab, I got fascinated with this idea of transformation, right? Transformation of the spirit, transformation of the body, and teaching you lessons in in transforming your spirit. And so that's really where my life work started to 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 begin, right? And so as I was transforming my body through bodybuilding, um, it was kind of a personal mission for me to come up with a safe replacement for Adderall, um, and that's when I got into nootropics as well. And so I had the bodybuilding, I had the nootropics, and you know, here we are, uh, seven years clean off of uh, narcotics, but I've definitely experimented with a lot of other things, um, you know, and, and we have quantum performance and we have a uh, Genesis nootropics. So mm. that's, uh, that's really the story.
2: Amazing. <clears throat> and yeah. I find, I find that um, a lot of those that are now getting into nootropics are actually those that are, you know, ex-addicts and things, or they've had a rough experience with like Ritalin or Adderall in the past. And now they're seeking out you know, what else is out there? Because really, you and I know that there are many other um, viable strategies to boost focus and productivity and things like that. So do you want to sort of, um, what was your first introductory,
1: I guess, experiment that really got you excited? Oh, that's a great question. That is a great question. Um, Because I think, first of all, I think that enthusiasm is probably one of the most amazing emotional experiences that you can operate by. And I will say no nootropic, no biohack, no any practice will give you the same energy as true pure enthusiasm. Um, So it's a great question. What was the first experiment? Well, I would almost say the use of Adderall, as horrible as it became for me, was my first experiment into seeing cognitive enhancement happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that back. Let's start with pre-workout. I took pre-workout when I was 13 for the first time, and that was when I was like, "Okay, the use of exogenous compounds to enhance performance is definitely something I'm interested in." Um, so that was the first experience. You know, I did some nice moves on someone in soccer. I scored a goal. I felt okay. the, the dopaminergic effect of the pre-workout, and from that point, um, that the seed was planted there.
2: Mm. So then, I guess. Um, so after all that, did you? Where does your actual nootropic company
1: fit in here? Like, how did you, how did that all come about? Yeah, for sure. So that was actually, you know, towards the tail end of my addiction. Just like every, every uh, biohacker, we see the movie Limitless, right? We have the the seed planted of of you know of Adderall being something that works for me. It was pre workout as well. Um, so I just started to do some research. It was really a simple Google search. Um, and then ironically, I think because my reticular activating system was, was activated to look for nootropics. I had a friend who was taking paracetam at the time. Um, so, you know, I saw, I saw him take it. He actually said that it was giving him headaches. So he gave me the tub. Um, I tried it. And, uh, at that point I'm like, okay, this is good. We gotta, we gotta start diving into this more. Um, that was eight years ago. Um, so it's been about eight years since I've, I've discovered what they are. Um, and then, you know, as I was, I was creating Quantum performance, it started out as, um, brain and body supplementation.com. Didn't know how to name a company back then. Um, it started out as that, and really ultimately what it was, was I was like, okay, I'm a bodybuilder, I'm lifting weights. Um, I'm improving my physique, but it's all stemming from somewhere. And so then I was like, okay, this is coming from my mind, but I'm like, wait a second your mind is housed in some, in a hardware, it's called your brain. Um, And so that's really kind of how it, the fascination of the brain came is, is, you know, understanding what paracetam was, uh, being exposed to it, and then uh, uh, recognizing that my mind was just a function of my brain.
2: Mm. Yeah. Let's, let's um, let's dive deeper into uh, paracetam because I know many that get into the whole nootropic space. And I did as well, like many, many years ago, it was a, a compound that kept popping up on the radar in terms of like an introductory sort of beginner class of, you know, the racetan family. So just curious, man, like how was your, like your experience with paracetan? Like how did you respond?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. And even to this day, I think it's a great compound. Mm. Um, and I'd love to ask you that question too, brother. Like what what, what do you think about uh, paracetan? Um
2: Unfortunately, back when I was experimenting with it, I was actually using a variety of choline donors, thinking that I needed super like a, a big amount of um, choline donors like CDP-choline, alpha-GPC. Um, and <clears throat> unfortunately, I didn't get the most ideal response. I, I got the headaches and I also mm-hmm. got the weird like dizziness and, and things like that. So I wasn't really sure what was happening back then. But now looking back... Um, I sort of understood there, was, there were too many other compounds in my stack, and that's right. really, like you—you've probably seen this numerous times as well. It's like guys, people that get into nootropics, they often fall into the trap of trying to use just too many compounds, and they don't know what's going on. You know, like there's just too many overlapping effects. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what what effect to attribute. <clears throat> Excuse me. you don't know what effect to attribute to what compound and, and thus you're not able to tell what is what is working what is not working um, you know but but to answer answer your question about um, I mean so there was a girl of course there's always a girl right um, and my verbal fluency went way up and I think the kind of seroton, serotonergic experience with her and the oxytocin combined with the enhanced verbal fluency just created this uh, uh, I guess the word is intoxication right? And I create I created this association between my, my game and the compound. So I have nothing but fond, fond memories for paracetam. Mm. Um, but uh, of course, as you start to explore explore more and more, you realize that there's more potent uh, compounds. There's different compounds. There's, there's compounds that are going to impact your cognition in different ways. So uh, that's where we started to go. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny
2: <laughs> you brought that up in terms of um, just one of those experiences. I can share my own um, with a novel herb, I've spoken about it um, only a few times, is Cat's um, Wabba Bark. Um, mm-hmm. And that one there, man, like that's one that's put me into a state where like, you know when your, your personality shifts to become like very sarcastic and almost like a joker, like you're, mm-hmm. you're very playful and you just don't take anything seriously. <coughs> like that that particular herb did that for me and it was consistent every single weekend. Before I'd go out, I'd have Katawaba, Um, And literally my friends around me are like, dude, you're really funny tonight. Like, what, do you, what, do you, what have you taken? I'm like, well, I formulated a stack and I, I figured out that catawaba is really hitting the
1: spot in terms of just shifting the, your personality. It was crazy, man. <laughs> what, what's the mechanism? Because that, that is actually so fascinating to me to get that consistent effect that's. I mean, it's like. It's not like you're saying verbal fluency here. It's not like you're saying you know sensory perception. This is a shift in personality, a distinct shift in personality. So, do you do you know the mechanism of that?
2: Yeah. Well, this is how like the whole um my fascination in cosmetic neurology came about, and that's why I actually like I put together like this comprehensive course that looks at, all right, how can we shift our personality to actually suit our needs, and when it comes to the actual mechanism of Katwaba, I think. Part of it may be due to the fact that it actually can activate um, some of the opioid um, receptors, similar to, I guess, maybe how um, Kratom works or um, some other analgesic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah,
1: yeah I don't anal- take it that much, but yeah.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but- we'll get onto that. I'd actually love to chat about that soon. We'll get onto that soon. Um, yeah. But with the, with the cat's wava, I think part of its mechanism was the opioid activation It's got some mild um, dopamine reuptake inhibition as well. Mm. And funnily enough, it's even from um, the the same um, plant genus family as cocaine. So it would share some similar, I guess it would share some similar alkaloids, Mm. um, which was, yeah, it was a fun, it's a fun herb and I still, I still use it every now and then today. Um, Yeah.
1: That's awesome. But yeah, that's a, that's a profound experience that creates a consistent effect that you can see. Right. And it's interesting. I think we all have a, a propensity towards certain compounds mm. and it, it definitely tells quite a bit about a person too. Right. Like, you know, Bam will always uh, rub in my face. Oh, you're so ego driven because of the compounds I, I, I veer towards. Right. Like I like my stimulants, you know, or, or at least a stimulatory effect. Um, you know, uh, we could curse here. We curse here. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. <laughs> I, 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 I might go on YouTube. So yeah, and I was like, I always say, fuck you, Bam. But I mean, he has a point, you know, like, um, you can learn a lot about a person based on the compounds that they, that yeah. they uh, um, uh, veer
2: towards. All right. let's, let's, um, let's get stuck into um, kratom, um, kratom or however you pronounce it. But let's, yeah, I'd love to hear your experience. Like, um, do you remember the very first time you used it? And like, what were the initial subjective effects?
1: First time I used it. Wow. Wow. I don't actually remember the first time I used it, believe it or not. Um, huh? Probably, it was probably a few years ago. Um, in general, like the way personally the way I use kratom is like if I'm really tired or really feeling like shit and have to be on, then I'll take I'll take it. Like before this, I had a few capsules of kratom, uh the the red the red uh, strain. Um, but yeah, I mean that's really the way I use it. It's a very dangerous compound if used improperly, but it's also very useful if used properly. Mm. Um, so that that's what I say. I mean, I think that's interesting that like, in general, I think people have very binary, uh, binary views on Kratom when ultimately, I don't know if it needs to be binary. It's not really good or bad. It just is a compound that if used properly um, can serve great benefits and if used improperly can be really, really destructive. So that's my opinion on it.
2: So which um you said you using the red strain have
1: you used any other types at all or? yeah the green the green strain I think is is a little bit more stimulatory um, so I, I'll I would use that if, if it was in the morning the the red strain usually closer to the evening hmm. um, I've used gold and white um, I notice differences but it's not nothing in, incredibly profound hmm. um, as far as the differences are concerned but that's yeah that's 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 my uh, that's my jam yeah. uh, how about you
2: Um if it was legal, I mean, if it was accessible in Australia, I mean, of course I would have tried it by now. I have used, um, <laughs> yeah, it's fully banned here, man. Like it's very difficult to get hold of here. Um, but I did end up getting my hands on a uh, false kratom. It was a uh, Mitragyna uh, hirsuta. I think it's like a different, it's just a slightly different <laughs> variant of um, kratom. It's like false kratom. So I was able to get my hands on that. Um, and I used it about probably six or seven times in total. And it was always before going out like on the week, like on a Saturday night. Um, mm. There was one particular occasion that I used it. And I remember um, being in a very almost like ticklish sort of giggly mood, almost mm. like, you know, when things are just, you're more receptive to things that are funny and then you're just over-exaggerating the laugh or <laughs> things like right. that. Yeah, it makes, it sounds like it made you lighter. Yeah, I'll guess that's a good way of looking at it. It sort of made me feel lighter, um, more carefree and just, um, yeah, more more relaxed slightly. I think within like 40 to 60 minutes there was an initial euphoria sensation, like a body sort of buzz feeling. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something you'll have to come back to and revisit or um, – as soon as we can leave the country, you know, head to the states and play around with some of the cool um, kratom variants that you
1: guys have. Yeah, it's it's that's actually so. That's ex- exactly what I'm experiencing right now. Is that that body buzz? It's mild because I didn't really take too much, Um, but that's, that's exactly what I, what I'm feeling right now. Right. And so, and just like my reasoning as to why I took it is, so I trained uh, multiple times today. So I'm like achy, I'm sore. I think my cortisol is high because I'm, I'm striking doing a lot of kickboxing. Right. So uh, I was a little on edge. And so this was perfect in giving you that body, that body sensation, kind of taking the edge off. Um, And uh, I don't think it's lowering cortisol, but it's mimicking the effect of lowered cortisol. So um, yeah, for sure. Interesting. So, what about let's let's dive into some of the
2: um, other performance enhancing compounds you've experimented with outside the scope of like uh, nootropics or um, herbal supplements. Like, what else have you explored in terms of improving physical performance? Like,
1: yeah, great question. Yeah. I, so, I love the the bodybuilding peptides. Um, you know, during the the competition days, I've I've used you know anything and everything. But as far as like the like like you know the peptides I've used. I've used SARMs. um, I've used GH secretagogues. I've used things like uh, BPC-157 and TB-500 for, for, for recovery. Um, I like them all. Um, I think that with something like BPC-157, for example, like um, that uh, subcutaneous injection is the only thing that, that worked for me. Oral doesn't, doesn't really work. Um, So that's what I'll say. Um, Another compound I love is, is MK-677. Um, Yeah, you're, you're smiling. Have, Have you tried MK before? Um, it's on my next to-do list. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you're trying to put some size on, um, it's definitely a great compound. Um, skin is tighter. Um, appetite goes up. Um, dreams get nice and vivid, which means that you're probably getting into a nice state of REM. Um, you know, and it, it just really holds on to glycogen very well. So, you mm. know, if you're, if you're trying to run or jump, it's probably not the best thing, but if you want to look nice and full and in your shirt, uh, MK677 7, 7 is, a, is a great compound for sure.
2: Did you ever use um, rad one hundred and forty by any chance?
1: I have. I have used rad one hundred and forty. Um, it could have been the purity of the compound that I had, um, but it didn't work as well for me as the literature says it should. But it's actually really exciting based on what I've read. Mm. Um, so yeah, have you have you got a chance to to use it?
2: Um, not yet. I mean, I'm sort of a little bit a little bit concerned because I'm 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 conscious of the effort that I put in to actually get my like total testosterone just near a thousand nanograms, like naturally. So I'm sort of like, well, if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. So it's like sort of pushing the boundaries, you know what I mean? Like I've just worked so damn hard to get myself to a point where like my natural testosterone sitting at almost a
1: thousand. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome zero, zero reason for you to take anything exogenous. You know, I'm not saying that, that if I could go back, I would change that I bodybuilded, but you know, that's definitely caused, um, some changes in my hormonal profile. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm using HRT, you know, I'm, I'm doctor prescribed, I get my blood work and all that fun stuff. Um, so at that point it's, it's a curse because you're stuck doing it, but it's a blessing in that, you know, you can try other compounds and not have to necessarily worry about, um, the, the down regulation and, and all that. So, um, yeah. But definitely don't don't go down the route if you don't have to.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe like <laughs> five to ten years from now, I might start exploring some of those. Um, but I've used, I mean, I've used BPC 157, had a really good response to that. Even orally, that helped with like digestion and even my torn meniscus, like that healed that pretty rapidly. Um man. Yeah, yeah, it was phenomenal, man. Like it was I was shocked. Like literally within four to five days of oral dosing, It. Lit, I had a torn meniscus and it pretty much started working like after three to four days. I remember like bending my foot back. I, I could, you know, there was no pain. So it was, it was just phenomenal.
1: That's insane. That's yeah. insane. Right. Good for you. Nice. Yeah. Nice.
2: So let's go back to, I guess, um, it's funny how Jacob mentioned that you seem to gravitate mm-hmm. and hover towards like more of the stimulants in terms of like, and and he calls it what does he call it ego ego boosting compounds the, the ego
1: ego ego based compounds
2: um, he's mentioned that before why why does he why does he say that because I'm I'm
1: curious to hear more about that I, um yeah it's, it's it's in it's it's obviously all in good fun and it's joking but it's it's really based on the the goal orientedness of yeah. the the stacks that I choose right um, how dopamine based it is how executive function based it is. Um, so that's essentially why um, it's not as balanced. Let's just say.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, know, it's, it's funny. It's funny he says that because I mean, I can I can one hundred percent relate to that man. Like I'm, <clears throat> I do orient most of my stacks towards optimizing dopamine, and there's a clear reason why. If we're and we're both, you know, we're both entrepreneurs, we're both striving to build a business, to share our message, and to do that, we need to feel like we're in a state that we're in, um, you know, a state of high motivation, high alertness, high drive, high desire to achieve a goal. But at what cost? You know, like I I even come back to that myself, man. I'm like, wow, I've put in 14 hours of work today and I've just absolutely smashed it. But I've had no enriching social experiences or I've had or I've just, it's its all about me. It's all about growth, self-growth, self-development, you know? So it's interesting. So let me ask
1: you this though, you know, when you experience life in such a way, do you feel any existential angst? Do you feel any like lack of fulfillment, lack of meaning? Um,
2: Not if the work that I'm working on makes sense. And I know that it's going to impact like majority of the time I'm spending, majority of my time is spent creating content. So like I know that I'm, I know I'm growing my own business and my own self, but at the same time, I know that what I'm putting out there is just going to benefit heaps of, you know, millions of people. So yeah, part of me, you know, part of me does look at it like, well, and I'm putting in all this time, but there's not much actual self-care time as well. I sort of Mm -hmm. forget about that, you know, because it's just like putting others first, you know,
1: Right, right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that that just gets into a really fascinating kind of like philosophical uh, conversation about how to frame your life, how to frame yourself, how to frame impact, right? Like if you're working on developing yourself, if you're working on building a brand around yourself in order to serve others and, and create an impact in others, like How selfless is that? How selfish is that? Is that the key to happiness? Is happiness what we really want here, or is it fulfillment? Right? Because I'll give an example. Is there was a period of time where I could safely say I woke up every day and I was miserable. I was cranky. I was miserable. I was angry, but I felt zero existential angst. Like I knew what I was doing and why I was doing it. I was excited, but I was cranky. I get annoyed with people. I would snap at people. So I was like, How bad is that? Right? Like, would it be better if I felt happy all the time, but felt a hole in my heart. Like I didn't know where I was going and I was wandering. So, um, yeah, I've, I've played with that before. And and for me, the truth, sometimes the, the truth lies in, you know, a 60 hour work week mm. where I still find time to spend with my girlfriend. <clears throat> I still find a little time to spend with my family. I still get to play with my pets and I still get to, to do, you know, enough self-care. Um, after that point it comes out of balance, but it's like I want to find the perfect integration of these pieces for me. Mm. Right. Um, And that's, that's my compass, you know? Mm.
2: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, How did you go about like in in the, in the early days, like managing and um, planning? Like were you someone who was quite good at um, putting things into a structure? Like were you a structure oriented type of guy or,
1: you know, how'd you go about things there? That's also another great question, by the way. Um, yes, my executive function is pretty strong in that I'm able to plan well. Um, sometimes I get lost in the execution. So it makes sense. High level, but then when I get into the granular of actually getting things done, um, it's not it's not that great. So, and that's why you know your ability to just pop out so much content is it's so impressive to me, right? Because for me to like, I can plan the content well, but for me to go get the camera, set the camera up, put the microphone on here, and not get distracted, it's like there's a 0 percent chance that's happening. So,
2: <laughs> dude, it's so it's so funny you just mentioned that because literally. Three days ago, I bought myself like a new camera for these podcasting and podcasts and videos and things like that, and I was getting so like just so frustrated trying to set up the camera, get the lighting <laughs> right. Like it was driving me crazy, man. Um, and I'm like, well, this is about the only hiccup that I'm having along the journey. Like, just push through it. Like this is it's not going to be easy. No, like nothing comes easy. Like you have to have there's going to be a bit of struggle. And and for me, this has been the struggle, setting it all up, but actually doing like creating the content and, and taking action. That's never really been something that's held me back. And I actually attribute, Mm -hmm. I do attribute a lot of that shift in my um, personality because I wasn't always like that man, like in the early days at, um, in high school and, um, early after I graduated, um, I was actually someone who struggled to initiate tasks. Like I was just comfortable, man. Like, you know, when you're just real comfy and you're just like, there's so much, you're wrestling with something in your mind that's saying like, oh, no, it's too overwhelming to start. I feel like uridine uridine monophosphate, that really changed the game in terms of my um, just ability to get shit done. Like it just
1: helped that so much, man. That's beautiful. That's beautiful that you're able to to specifically identify which compound uh, created the the, the change in, in your behavior. And I think it creates this positive feedback loop, right? You know, and this is the thing that I, I say about nootropics in general um, is that, you know, you're, you're not going to rely on them for the specific behavior change perpetually, but what they will do is they will create the, the, the cat, They will be the catalyst, right. They'll create that activation energy, right. In any, any chemical reaction, the most energy is required at the point of activation, right. Mm. Um, this applies for, for humans getting up and doing things. So, you know, people say is quantum mind. That's our, our nootropic blend is, you know, this it's, it's a gimmick. It, It can't, it can't be what, what, keeps me uh, motivated. It can't be what helps me get stuff done. I'm like, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. But did it get you off the couch? Did you start playing the saxophone? Did you start playing the instrument? Did you start writing the book? Right. Um, did it help you push past that initial resistance to create the momentum that then you hopefully were able to continue to carry along? So, um, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, that's fascinating.
2: Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to dive deeper into, into your product quantum mind. Like let's, Let's talk about how that was formulated and and what your objectives were with the actual product.
1: Yeah. Um, for sure. So uh, for me, like metabolism is is the most fascinating thing. Um, you know, we have a coaching program in our business, Quantum Performance, called the Metabolic Roadmap. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that I realized was that as you enhanced your metabolism, as you optimized your metabolism, you increased your basal metabolic rate, um, you know, all parts of your life were going to improve, including your cognition, right? And so one of the things I noticed was that um, you know, people were taking a very, first of all, people were taking a very um, ingredient first approach, meaning they were saying like, what ingredients can I put in the stack to make it the best as opposed to a results focused approach, right? So whereas I said, let's not worry about the ingredients first, let's worry about like, what am I trying to do here, right? So that was the first thing. And what I realized was the most important thing I want to do is, is optimize someone's uh, cellular metabolism. So that was kind of the first differentiator. Um, the second thing was that Um, I wanted to create as many synergies between ingredients as possible. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people try and do that. Um, and then one of my product development pillars for everything is that it must provide an acute performance benefit as well as optimize health in the long term, right? It can't do one or the other right? So I know certain, certain companies will create nootropics that only provide an acute performance benefit, um, but pay no attention to, to long-term brain health. And then there's others, you know, a lot fewer companies that do the latter, that do the opposite, but there are some that provide only long-term health benefits, but don't provide an acute performance benefit. And at that point, the product becomes useless because people, one, don't want to continue to take it because yeah. they don't feel anything psychoactive. Um, and, and, and two is it doesn't create the actual behavior change needed to create momentum. So um, those are the pillars. So, you know, the, there's ingredients in there really ultimately that, that optimize mitochondrial function, uh, Alcar, uh, ALA, you know, ashwagandha does that, shilajit does that pretty well. Um, you know, phosphatidylserine does that to a degree. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the base. And then what I said was, okay, let's take my, let's use what happened there. And my little cocktail was Adderall and Xanax. Adderall to get me up, Xanax to help me go down. So I said, okay, can we mimic that with something that's safe and uh, has long-term benefits? So I included phenylethylamine, hortanine, and caffeine. And I included L-theanine, ashwagandha, phosphatidylserine, which has some anti-cortisol effects. And um, there's a couple, there's a a ginseng is in there that also has a, a calming effect. Um, and so that was kind of where I got the formula from: was the stimulant, like like Adderall, the sedation, like the Xanax, and then the um, cellular metabolism um, core, and that was the the uh, logic behind it. Yeah, awesome.
2: Um, one of the ingredients you just mentioned, the um, phenethylamine, um, I'll give I'll give my audience some context to that ingredient. Um, I personally haven't used it myself, but um, it's found within dark chocolate, right? It's actually what gives people that. That little buzz euphoria from dark chocolate. Um, but the, the issue with that was the short half-life, right? So you had to combine that with, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a mountain, uh, monoamine oxidase inhibitor, a, a, a mild Maui. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And that extends the euphoria buzz. So that's actually a, that would be a cool one for, I guess, um, beginners if they want to get like a light, Mood boost that maybe lasts for about one to two hours. Um, just that combo alone will give people a, a nice little kick in energy and, and, and mood. Um, but then I like how you've also included, you know, the other ingredients for that longer term brain health, like phosphatidyl, um, serine, as you mentioned, which has that cortisol modulation effect balancing, um, you know, improving neuroplasticity, things like that which is really cool. So what's like, what, what's been like the initial feedback so far from,
1: from those that, you know, use quantum mind. Yeah. I mean, it's been out now since 2018 and, and we've sold over, over 20, close to 20,000 bottles now. So, um, yeah, we, we did okay. Um, we were actually ranked number three on Amazon for, for a while and then stuff happened. We had to take it off. you got banned, all that nonsense. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Um, people really like it. Um, you know, it, it's a stack filled with nice ingredients. Um, what really flatters me is people that are like really interested in nootropics. People that are are, are you know either experts or, or, or knowledgeable, they still take it for the convenience factor, right? Now, you and I can sit here and say, at the end of the day, if you know what you're if you know what you're doing, you're better off making your own stack, right? But the fact that people who know what they're doing will opt for the convenience says that the compound, you know, does have some formidable ingredients in it, which is, which is cool. Mm. So people have really liked it. For me personally, the best benefit is the the lack of brain fog, uh, the clarity that I feel immediately. Um, And so when I started to feel that I got even more into like I got more into studying brain fog right like because uh, for me like focus is a cool effect memory was a cool effect um, mood uplift was a cool effect brain fog wasn't something that was that cool to me till I started to experience it with quantum mind right
2: yeah brain fogs an interesting one man because like um I was just planning out some topics for YouTube the other day and I'm like what's something that a lot of people struggle with and brain fog is absolutely one of them and it's actually quite hard to define brain fog mm-hmm. like if you it's very vague, um, but I think one thing is for sure is that brain fog is characterized by a state of lack. Uh, it's a lack of energy in the brain. It's a lack. It's a shortage of energy. It's like it's like a, a battery that's you know um, almost it's operating on like maybe five ten percent and everything slows down. I would say like brain fog is definitely a state characterized by a low energy state or a energy shortage perhaps that's glucose shortage, um, poor, poor uh, ability to metabolize ketones or um, just in general could be heavy metal toxicity. That's another one. Like that's, that's, that's a whole different rabbit hole we could go down, but even, and then also mitochondrial function as well, which I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to sort of branch off and discuss some of the, um,
1: yeah, mitochondrial hacks that you've explored personally. For sure. Um, Let's not call this a hack. Let's call this my, my North star is lifting weights, right? Um, Building lean muscle tissue. You know, at the end of the day, um, in my opinion, the most effective long-term sustainable way to um, speed up the metabolism is to, to build lean muscle tissue, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, muscle tissue has incredibly high, or muscle cells rather have incredibly high concentrations of mitochondria. You know, I mean, one kilo of muscle is going to burn 10 to 15 calories per hour you know, one, one kilo of fat is going to burn three calories per hour. Right. And so very simply like, it's interesting, right? Because I, I take the the philosophy from bodybuilding and I take a lot of the, the uh, I guess the, the paradigm that comes from biohacking and I try and like combine them and put them together. Right. And whereas I love the biohacking perspective, I love it more than anything. Um, sometimes I think there's overcomplication because here is a bunch of different techniques and hacks and here is build muscle. Right. So, um, that's the first thing is, is resistance training. Um, it's definitely one, um, cold therapy. You know, I personally love cold plunges. I don't know, um, Lucas, if you've, um, if you've uh, dabbled with that, but, um, uh, I yeah. love that.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've I been mean, back in the day when I was playing soccer, I actually used to, um, do the alternate therapy, you know, hot and cold, um, mm post-workout or post-training and that would have a huge effect on reducing muscle soreness and DOMS like the following day. And I always noticed like if I just did cold therapy following training, the next day I felt as if just the whole body was lighter and I felt a lot more agile. And the best way to look at it was like all I had to do was lift up my my knee and that sensation Usually if I didn't have like an ice bath or whatever, that actual feeling sensation was more pronounced and and I just generally felt heavier. So yeah, huge fan of the cold therapy. And and my listeners will also know that I'm a huge fan of icing the testicles as well. (laughs) Okay, tell tell, tell me about this. Yeah, I mean, I I did a whole YouTube video talking about um, the benefits of icing, like icing one's balls, um, to boost testosterone, that was actually part of my protocol to max out my testosterone. Um, I was icing, not directly, obviously, not applying the ice directly to the testes, but just applying it up against the underwear to cool the testes. And um, if you look at the research, like there's literally nocturnal scrotal cooling devices to enhance fertility, and literally, like after eight weeks of icing, there's like a double of sperm count and improvement in, in sperm motility. Um, and just in general, man, like a whole, I set up a whole Facebook group with guys like, um, who've joined the group and started icing and literally like, I would say like nine out of 10 guys have reported huge benefits, like no pun intended. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well done. <laughs> wow. Oh man, I'm starting that tonight. Are you kidding me? Of course. Yeah. Um, I'm see this, sometimes this is what I'll do is sometimes I will do an experiment and I won't do the research and i'll try and think about it and figure it out on my own and then i'll after a certain period of time then i'll look it up but I, it, it, does it have, I'm, I'm guessing it has something to do with with uh, autophagy would it be like the weaker sperm cells are, are getting killed or? potentially mm-hmm. i think part of its mechanism would be the fact that we're getting such
2: um, pronounced vasoconstriction like in the testes area and then that's followed by like a rebound vasodilation which brings new blood flow Um, Right. More nutrients. More micronutrients, right, right. Yeah, sort of makes sense there. But yeah, the general feedback is like just better erection, better sex drive, better
1: um, energy. The best time to do it, man, is just before you train as well, just before the gym. Um, Right, because you're going to get increased uh, blood flow uh, as you train. Oh, that's fucking incredible. Wow, so then I would, you know what I maybe would do is I would you know, ice my balls. And then maybe I would have like a, like a, like a citrulline malate or like a, like a agmatine sulfate, right. Or um, uh, L-arginine perhaps, right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Amplify the effect.
2: Actually, that's something, yeah, I haven't actually delved into, but yeah, that would make sense. Like doing that um, extreme vasodilation followed by the, this uh, nitric oxide donors, like that would be fun to play around with. Um, yeah. So with the with the mitochondrial side of things, um, I know you mentioned like obviously weight training, um, and you've also mentioned alcar, acetyl I'm a huge yeah. fan. huge fan of alcar.
1: Yeah, ALA. Uh, it's another great ingredient. You know,
2: ALA. Any other ones that you've explored in that realm at all? Um,
1: <laughs> NAD plus. I want to get. I want to try. I haven't tried that yet, but I want to get the the NAD plus. Um, what else do I want to try? Yeah. I mean that, that's it. And then, then essentially like fasting, right. We've all, we've all done on fasting, but uh, as far as compounds are concerned, you know, no, those are really, those are, that's really it. Mm. Um, to be, to be totally honest with you. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. Let's sort of, um, delve into like sleep optimization. I'm curious to hear your, um, things that have worked really well for you from a sleep perspective.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, definitely basics, right? Like eliminate blue light. Um, keep your cell phone away from your bed. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you keep your cell phone by your bed? Uh, I do because the first first thing I have to do
2: in the morning is post on YouTube, um, and I'm really pedantic about it. I'm trying to configure it like
1: as soon as I wake up. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I just I keep it as far away from me as possible. Um, I've noticed a a profound difference in, um, like head pressure when I wake up, when my cell phone is in my room and when it's, when it's out of my room. Um, so yeah, I definitely do that. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I read before bed. I know that doesn't necessarily sound like a sleep hack, but that's, that is important to me. Um, I do a lot of sleep hypnosis, a lot of hypnosis, um, right so I actually do a very specific, uh, what I call polarization activity, right? So, um, this may not necessarily be sleep hacking, but I'll call this performance hacking. That's both, um, both before bed and waking. So, you know, um, what I've realized is that our subconscious and conscious mind are, are most connected when we're in a theta brainwave state, right? So closest to bedtime. So, um, what I'll do is about 30 minutes before bed, I'll do a gratitude practice, really feel into that gratitude practice, really get myself into into that state. Um, And then I'll write down the state of mind that I want to be in the next day upon waking. Okay. Um, So I say I'm focused, uh, energetic, and uh, intense or focused, uh, happy, whatever it is that I think I need that next morning. um, I write that down. Okay. Um, So that's kind of locked into my psyche. I then listen to hypnosis before bed sometimes I'll have a dream about that hypnosis. Okay. Now uh, upon waking, what I do is I take note and I, I, you know, check in with myself and say, am I feeling like that state of mind that I had written before? So if I wrote something like, um, I am happy. Okay. And I'm not feeling completely happy. I'll do something immediately to artificially engineer that state. So what I'll do is I'll smile, right? So I artificially engineer that state. And then what I do is I tap into my sympathetic nervous system, right? Because what I'm trying to do is I'm literally just trying to charge up with electricity, that emotional state. So I I do pushups, right? So what I've been doing is to progress with pushups is I just add one more pushup per week. Um, So this week I'm at like seven, I'm at 70 pushups exactly. Um, (coughs) Next week I'm at 71, right? So um, I do 70 pushups. My sympathetic nervous system is activated. And then what I do is I actually read some affirmations. Okay. After I read the affirmations, uh, I then tap into my parasympathetic nervous system to actually bring that messaging into my subconscious mind. Um, at which point, I do I do my transcendental meditation, and so that is my extensive nighttime morning routine um, when it comes to to hypnotic uh, hypnotic messaging.
2: It's fascinating because um, out of all the guests I've had on the show, this is like episode sixty six. Not a single not a single guest has talked about um, hypnosis or the benefits of hypnosis therapy. So like, you know, I'd love to, I'd love, I'd love to explore more on that. Like exactly how does that um, protocol work
1: there? Totally. Um, so, you know, one of the things I've found is that for me, like hypnosis works best if it's my own voice. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's for everyone, but for me personally, it is. Um you know, so the first like rule that I follow is really try and only do it when you're in a theta brainwave state. Um, So either, you know, like meditate for a few minutes and then start to do a hypnosis or um, do it right as you wake up or right before bed. Okay. Um, And actually it's interesting because Uh, Mark Twain, the author, uh, what he would do is he would sit at the edge of his chair, okay, and he'd fall asleep, and right when his head went over the back of the chair, he'd jolt up, he would then start writing. And the reason is he was just in a theta brainwave state, and that's when his subconscious and conscious mind were connected, so he was able to get a lot of his creativity. Um, So that's really one of my my first rules with hypnosis. And then after that, it's really just uh, tapes. Now, I think what they say in NLP is that the brain can't detect the difference between a positive and a negative. So, if you say like "I am not sad," uh, that might not be optimal for your brain. Yeah, um, you might want to say "I am happy." From experience, I don't think that that's true. Just from personal experience, but the, those are the rules of NLP. So, I uh, I don't want to go against them.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, with the hypnosis, is it generally speaking, most people respond better? when it's somebody else's voice.
1: Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if most people would go through the trouble of actually recording hypnosis tape for themselves and then putting it on a, you know, binaural beats track and listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally did and I kind of juxtaposed the two and compared the two and I, I realized that for me, it's better with my own voice. So
2: mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I remember about a year ago, I looked at some of the, um, some of the funny hypnosis videos on YouTube. Have you seen some of those at all? Yeah, like Michael Seeley has a lot. Um,
1: you're talking is that what you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Some of those are very funny, man. Like the the things that they get them to do, like it's actually I find it super scary the fact that, you know, you're giving up full control of yourself, I guess, or your subconscious or conscious state. I don't even know what it is, but yeah, it's just fascinating how powerful hypnosis can be. Like, have you, have you personally seen, apart from your own benefits like that, what else have you seen in terms of, um, other people benefiting from hypnosis? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, no. I So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Because the, the one, so like the one thing about hypnosis is that the feedback is far from immediate, right? And I, I really think any kind of mindset work, the feedback is, far from immediate. Whereas like after you work out, you're sweating, you're feeling, you know, a pump in your muscles, right? When you take a nootropic, usually you're going to experience an acute effect, right? Whereas a a hypnosis, you have to do consistently day after day. Um, So that's the first thing. For me, it was after about 60 days of doing it consistently that I started to see benefits. Um, But uh, this is what I'll say is that when your subconscious mind is starting to change. And your conscious thoughts are starting to change. The exponential effect of that is so great, right? Because I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, right? Like, you, I mean, you know, this is it's it's all about an internal locus of control. It's all about controlling, uh, you know, your thoughts, your mind, um, and all these things that we're using external of ourself are just tools to enhance and optimize. But it's all happens between the ears. So, I would say, like, aside from exercise and meditation. Um, you know, I would give hypnosis and nootropics. They're kind of tied for um, what's affected me the the most. Um, now, mm. one more thing is, I actually love doing hypnosis on certain nootropics. Um, I'm, I'm able to tap and tune in more to the actual messaging um, that's being that's being uh, delivered. So uh,
2: that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear more about that. Like in terms of are there certain nootropics that make hypnosis
1: easier, or like how does that work? I don't know how. I just know that for me, like aniracetam yep. is is incredible for for hypnosis. I think because it has an anxiolytic effect, um, but it also does have a, a effect on like my sharpness. So mm-hmm. I'm able to, to be more attuned to what the messaging is, but I don't feel like, right? Um, so mm-hmm. that's a nice compound for me. l right? Just because it, it helps me relax as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if we consider Althean in a nootropic, I don't know. But. Yeah,
2: yeah, interesting with the um, anti-racetam. I'd love to... Yeah, it'd be cool to dive a little bit deeper into some of the other racetams you've experimented with. Because um, oh, I think probably, you know, majority of my listeners aren't familiar with the racetam family. So I might even... I'll give them some context so that they understand what we're talking about. Um, so paracetam, the original, you know, racetam, Originally developed by Cornelia Georgia, like a Romanian chemist, for um, combating uh, neurotoxicity and improving long-term brain function. And then they developed what a range of other compounds like oxyracetam, aniracetam, phenylracetam, um and a few others as well. I think
1: there's fonturacetam as well. Yeah, like pramiracetam, right? cooleracetam, all those.
2: Pramir, yeah. So. And they all have subjectively different um, effects. Is that right? Like from your experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you, have you gotten to try them? I haven't. Pro- once I tried the paracetam, I was sort of a little bit like, I'm going to try all the other stuff first. Okay. <laughs> went down the rabbit hole, but it's on my list of things to try for sure.
1: Yeah. Right. Sweet. Yeah. Um, no, I, I definitely do get subjectively different effects, right? Like for me, um, oxycetam and paracetam, are more stimulatory. Um, even, even phenylparacetam. Uh, I think that people, like if we're going to go on the nootropics forums and, and you know, the Reddit forums, I think people have a affinity most to phenylparacetam. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that or not, Yeah, uh, but you know, I think there's a little bit of like hedonistic desire there. It is the most pleasurable one. Um, but tolerance does build up to that one quick. Um, primer turns me into a drone. Um, <laughs> good for getting work done, but it's not really that fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, faster acetam has, has a more of an anxiolytic effect. Um, boosts my mood quite a bit. Mm. Um, so that's what I'll say, but I mean, all, you know, like all of them, I would say have a slight increase anywhere from a slight increase to a quite noticeable increase in verbal fluency. Um, but honestly, like, there's there's so many better compounds than the, the racetams. I mean, they're they're cool for sure to include in a stack, but there's there's better compounds.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's funny um, with the fentanyl paracetam, as you said, that's like ranked probably the highest out of all of them in terms of like subjective effects. Um, reason being is probably because it's banned by water. It's probably the reason why.
1: So Interesting. Many,
2: yeah, that's the only that's the only racetam I'm pretty sure that's banned by water because of it. It's it's actually used to. Um, Counteract hypoxic environments and, and sustain uh, energy under low oxygen conditions, mm. um, which is pretty fascinating. But um, yeah, definitely the whole repertoire of rasatans its just a whole rabbit hole, and it takes it would take me a good three months to evaluate the the entire um, the nuances between each of the compounds because I need to like when I introduce new compounds, I'm very Rigorous with um, documenting how I respond to them, like they need to. For me, a good nootropic needs to tick so many boxes. Like it needs to, it needs to be, you know, good for general energy. It must not have a crash. It must not make me socially tense. Like it must help with focus. Like there's so many different criteria for me to love a nootropic, um, and some have their trade offs. Like some will tick boxes like big time. But then have that trade-off of like, um, for example, cordyceps mushroom. Back mm. in the back in the early days, like I was using that. I used it literally for like two years straight. Um, it was awesome for like focus and um, lung capacity, breathing, and general energy levels whilst I was playing soccer. But I realised after so many years that that particular herb was making me feel a lot more tense, like socially. Mm. Um, and just in general felt like it was ramping up the glutamate um, system, and glutamate network. So I was feeling really excited and really thrilled about everything in life. But in general, it was just too much. And it was actually making me feel a bit tense and anxious. Um,
1: yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, ex- excitability and, and anxiety are are very, very, very similar experiences. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, for sure. Super, super interesting. Yeah, so you know what? What I love is that you're actually coming up with your your own definition of what nootropics are, right? Because at the end of the day, we, we have a um, uh, I don't want to say antiquated definition, but you know, the definition came out in the '70s by a a pioneer who I think perhaps maybe expected others to carry on his work, or or maybe he just did his work and and the natural order of things would be such that people did carry it on. Um, I don't really know what happened between 1970s and now. But I would I I would think and hope that we would get we would be a little further than we are, um, but I don't think that there is a really true agreed upon definition of what a nootropic is. So I always love the people that are are attempting to first define it for themselves, and once they've gotten some clarity within themselves, then you know at scale um, share that message because that's how we're going to bring this this uh, uh, field forward.
2: Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking then like a good way to look at it would be first of all, let's establish what nootropics are not. So that rules mm-hmm. out everything that they're not, but then it keeps this class of compounds that yes, maybe they do all have neuroprotective effects. They're non-depleting. They're, they're good long-term for brain health. Um, mm-hmm. They protect the brain against physical or chemical stresses, things like that. Um, yeah. it's really It's a fascinating area and it's it's funny how like we've both met in this sort of circle, but then we realize that after years of experimentation and just research in general, it, it leads us down so many other rabbit holes of understanding our constitution, our biological makeup and learning more about ourselves because that's really that process of um, experimentation is really self-exploration. And I like that principle of like, you know, what else is out there? How can I maximize my own my own like cognitive abilities and improve my performance across uh, many domains? It's really it's a fun fun area.
1: It really is. It really is. And then that was the conversation uh, Bam and I were having too. It's like um, we love Genesis Nootropics, and and it actually that started out as, as as a hobby business of mine. That's what it was, and we started to just talk. And I think that both of our fascination and um you know I I it, we started to get some 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 traction here, but. One of the things that was a little empty to us was like, we're just using nootropics, but like, we love the brain. It's not nootropics that we necessarily love. We enjoy nootropics, but we love the idea of optimizing, in my opinion, the most important organ that, that our body has, you know, um, that's been geniusly designed. It's, 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 it's insane. The, the brain is so, like, we, we, if we think about how complex, comprehensive, and critical it is. And how um, it's evolved to being what it is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's incredible.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's—it's it's definitely been a, a very empowering journey. <laughs> like the from day one to where I am today, like in general, it's just been very enriching and, and empowering. And without a doubt, it's—I would say—it's irresponsible to talk just super highly about nootropics because personally, I mean, I've, I've had my fair share of you know negative experiences with certain compounds, like. You know, we all go wrong. I've had experiments that go wrong, and I'm like, "Where's the control Z button?" Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Like, have you have you had any like what went wrong sort of experiments
1: at all? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, I mean, there's certain compounds I've, I've touched that they're certainly not nootropics, but you know, have been discovered by dabbling within the nootropics community. So, like tnp for example. I oh, yeah. oh my god, that is that is the devil's drug, you know. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to impose because if, if somebody is getting great benefits, then, then great. But I would say stay away. Mm. Um, you know, especially I think it's the sodium, TNF-T and sodium. Mm. Um, that, that's the real, real dangerous one. I mean, it is fiendy. It is, oh gosh. So that, that's, that was no fun. Mm. Um, I was throwing up for quite, you know, for quite a while. Jeez. Um, yeah, so that's, I would say T, I had a bad experience with TNF-T. Um, Other than that, I mean, you know, if we want to consider modafinil a a nootropic, um, there is a bizarre psychological dependency that you can get on it because of the narrative surrounding it, I think, right? I mean, it is also so slightly dopaminergic, but um, there's this narrative, I think, that's spread around it about how it's so great. And then when you take it, you're telling yourself, oh, I'm on modafinil, so I should be able to do this. And then days you don't take it, you're like well, I'm not on modafinil, so I can't do that, which is bullshit. It's absolutely, you know, you're, we're all perfect as we are. Um, so that I would say from a psychological standpoint, psychological standpoint, modafinil, uh, wasn't the greatest to me. Um, so those would be two, two most, uh, two negative experiences, but uh, yeah. what, what about you? Um, yeah, with maybe the, the cordyceps,
2: um, I've had compounds that have, I had a really nasty experience with, um, pregnenolone, mm. the pro- mm. pre-hormone, um, through that there, like that made me feel depersonalization, like full blown. I actually felt like I was falling outside my body. Um, and it was like, yeah, I remember I was just like, I felt, I genuinely felt like, um, I wasn't in my body. Uh, and that lasted for like a week or so. And I was really, I was getting a bit concerned. I'm like, what have I done? Like, How can I, yet again, control Z this? Um, But it literally took like a good two weeks to come back online. Um, And I documented all of the symptoms so I can sort of track back and see the cluster of symptoms. Like it was a whole myriad of like the depersonalization is what really ruled it. But then there were all these other effects downstream that I felt. Um, And just in general, yeah, it it just made me feel off. Like I just felt off, um, not, not really myself. And sort of looking back, I could probably, I can only guess that maybe it was the fact that I was also using like a particular ginseng at the time. And that combination with ginseng and pregnenolone probably pushed something over the top, hyperactivated the NMDA receptors and gave me some degree of like neurotoxicity. And that's why I became a bit
1: depersonalized. Yeah. That's scary. That is still scary. Yeah. Um,
2: right. But overall, I mean, like, yeah, overall, like Nootropics have definitely, um, you know, benefited me, my business. I don't think, you know, I don't think I would have started my Instagram and the YouTube channel, this podcast without a lot of um, Nootropics that I use today. Um, so, yeah, man, like it's just, it's great to, it's great to chat with somebody else who, also respects them and understands them quite well and in detail. So, um, Neil, I want to give my audience a chance to, if they want to learn more about you and you know your products and things like that, where can they
1: find you and your and your products? Yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate that. Um, so you can go to, to my website, neilfacker.com, um that you can find more about our metabolism coaching. You can find out more about Quantum Mind. We actually have a nootropic uh, me, uh, metabolism coffee coming out soon, so this has um, some uh, metabolic enhancing slash uh, a few nootropic ingredients in there. Uh, so that's coming out soon for our business Quantum Performance. Um, and then, you, if you know if you want to learn more about our raw ingredient uh, nootropic stores as well as our, our nootropic consultation business, you can go to www.genesisnootropics.com. So uh, that's where they can find me. Or add me on Facebook too. And um, and uh, we'll talk.
2: Yeah, awesome. Well, I'll um, be sure to link those in the podcast description and on YouTube. Um, you guys will see all those relevant links below. But um, Neil, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so
1: much, man. And and uh, I'll be icing my balls tonight. So that's good. <laughs> to you, man. Awesome, man. All right, cheers. Man. Soon, man. Bye. See ya.
2: Thank you, everyone, for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash biology.
1: This has been a No Filter Media production.
0: Say what you want. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?